going to preach about transform. That's what I'm going to preach about. That's the title of my message this morning is Transform. And it's, um, I'm going to read out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is powerful, God. And I pray that this morning your word will cut through us, Lord, that it will penetrate into us and get to where it needs to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that these words are not my words, God, but they will be your words in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us will leave differently from what we came in, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I do want to say, hello, Pastor Julie. Really good to see you. They were on a, a big holiday, which was probably amazing. First time that the relatives in England saw Little Liberty. That would have been fantastic. Now she's got an accent. Well, now we're going to struggle here to understand her. So we're going to work on that. Hello, Liberty. It's good. It's good to see you. Anyway, as believers... We are to stand out. We're to be different. We're, we're to show God's goodness. We're to show God's mercies. We're to show God's grace. We're to show how, how amazing God is by the way we live. I think that's what God wants from us as believers. Now, I want to preach to you this morning regarding what we as Christians need to actually look like in this world, that we are actually to be transformed. And not copy the behaviors or the customs of this world. But I do want to encourage you, if you are not a believer in this room, don't tune out. Because this is a glimpse into what life can be like for you as a human being if you decide to partner with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, there are many ways that we can stand out. There's many ways that we can be different. There's many ways that we can not follow the behaviors and customs of this world. And one of those ways is to not worry about everyday life. Do not copy the behaviors of this world. I don't think you have to dig very deep or have too many different conversations with people to start to realize that there's actually a lot of worry that goes on in society. There's actually a lot of people that struggle with stresses or struggle with worries or have something that they're concerned about regularly. It's unfortunately part of our world that we live in. In fact, 70% of Australians experience worry or stress at least once a week. So 70% of us stress about something at least once a week. Now, if I got everyone to raise their hand, or if I got you to raise your hand and say, hey, were you stressed this week? I think it would be more than 70%. I do think that some people are lying in this statistic that they gathered here. I think everyone struggles with some sort of stress some sort of worry at least once a week. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Well, why? Why does Jesus then tell us not to worry? Well, there's two parts to that answer, and I'll get to part number two later. But part one is because of what worry can do to us as human beings. The effect Worry is also known as stress, um, so, and, and it can be very 
harmful for us as human beings. It, it, it has a variety of different, different uh, mental and physical pressures on us as humans. Being worried or stressed can harm you physically by causing headaches, causing muscle tension or pain, causing chest pain, fatigue, an upset stomach, sleeping difficulties. It can cause overeating or undereating, and it can cause you to exercise less often. Those are just some of the things that worry or stress can do to you physically. Mentally, it can cause restlessness, so being just restful, restless all the time, just here and there and everywhere. It can cause lack of motivation or focus. It can cause you to feel overwhelmed. It can cause you to feel irritable or angry. It can make you sad. And it can actually cause you to withdraw socially. And there are also many other things that worry or stress can do to us as human beings. Studies have shown that in times of stress, the body releases hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol that increase your breathing and heart rate. An extended period of stress can keep these chemical levels high for a prolonged amount of time, which can lead to high blood pressure and inflammation. A study published in the PNAS found that chronic stress caused the failure to downregulate the body's inflammatory response, causing an increase in inflammation without the ability to decrease it again. This increase in plasma and cortisol concentration then caused an increased risk of disease exposure. That's pretty scary stuff. And to top it off, being worried or stressed can lead to a very slippery slope, a downward spiral into, toward mental disorders or mental illness. Now, I know that I'm touching on a mental disorders or mental illness, and it's a bit of a taboo topic sometimes in church, or it's not something we talk about often, but I just don't think it should be taboo. And I actually do think we should talk about it. Because as statistics show, over 70% of people actually struggle with stress or worry at least once a week. And I do think it's more than that. So I do want to talk about it. And I do want to open our eyes a little bit more to how damaging stress and worry can actually be to us as humans. So I do also want to say, though, but by God's grace, we don't have to be part of that statistic. We don't have to be part of that. We, we don't have to be directly affected by stress. But unfortunately, pretty much all of us will have someone close to us that will be affected by stress or worry in a further step than just what it is to be like, oh, no, I need to get this project done at work. That's also stress, but it's, I'm talking about what goes on further and further and getting down that slippery slope. I want to go a little bit deeper here because I believe that it is important for us as a community to actually talk about it and to know what can happen to people that stress and worry, especially when it takes, them, takes over them. And I want to prevent this from happening to us as a community and also those that we love. And I also want to equip us to help other people prevent going down that slippery slope that I was talking about. Yes, a, a mental disorder or a mental illness uh, are these type of conditions. It's anxiety, so chronic anxiety. It's depression. It's an eating disorder. It's a personality disorder, or it's, or, or it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And the list goes on. There are many 
various types of mental illnesses or mental disorders. And all of these conditions can lead to people feeling hopeless and in complete turmoil, thinking that there's nothing anybody can do for them. And it in fact pushes individuals away from people, causes, like what I said, social separation. Does that mind going on? Oh, never mind. It causes social separation, and what it actually does, it it sends people further and further into their depression, further and further into their, their, their feeling of lack or feeling of despair. And then people turn to empty things, trying to fill a void, trying to fill the gap of what they feel inside. And that even just leads to further and further separation from what is truly, what they truly need. And that is socially, that is us as people. People that are going through something really tough need a community around them to support them. But we know as Christians, people like that actually need God. Because no disease, no sickness, no illness is out of reach of God. God can break those chains. God can break those chains. Nothing is out of reach for him. But ultimately, the people find no remedy if they do not turn to God. And they get to a place where thinking the only way out is to end it all. And that is sad. That is terrible. But even more alarming is that over two in five, 44% or 8.6 million Australians aged between 16 and 85 are estimated to have experienced a mental disorder at some time in their life. With one in five, 21% or 4.2 million having experienced a mental disorder in the previous 12 months. These aren't just regular stresses or a regular concern or worry. These are major anxiety. These are depressive thoughts. These are things that are quite crippling. And almost 50% of Australians in our age group would struggle with that, would actually be going through something so horrendous. So I do think it's something we should talk about. And I do think it's something that we should that should be on the forefront of our minds, especially when we go out into our community, especially when we go out into our workplaces or our universities. People are struggling. People are hurting. People are really going through something. And these statistics just prove that. These statistics prove that the world is lost, that the world that we live in is hurting, and that it needs a permanent remedy. So I, like I said, I bring these stats up to you to equip you so that not to say as well, please hear me, not to say that we as Christians, we've got it all figured out. We're all perfect. There's nothing wrong with us. We don't struggle with these things. A room this size, I'm sure there is someone that struggles with something like this. And it's sad. And I'm sorry. And I'm not up here saying that I've got it together either. I actually was stressed out this week too. But I do think that it is something that we need to be very aware of, that we need to be equipped with. We can prevent people from going, from being part of this statistic. 
we can see this statistic shrink in our generation by the power of God in us and by what I'm going to continue to share this morning. I really believe what God has given me is a key to unlocking some of these things, some of, and also, like I said, preventing these things, because I do believe that prevention is better than the cure. If we can prevent something from happening, it is a much better outcome. So when I wrote, read these statistics, and I did a fair bit of research into this message, or for preparing this message, and it broke my heart, and the, and the verse that came to my mind was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Those people that we know, and even some of us, that carry such heavy burdens, that are so stressed out, that are so concerned, that's anxious, that's depressive. These are heavy burdens that God never intended us to carry. God never intended us to live a life like that. And so, yes, we need to turn to Jesus and He will give us rest. Why then are we so subject to stress? According to research, the things that stress, that, that stress us, that most likely cause us to stress or worry is money or lack of money. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to, the, to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I think that's just such a, a powerful statement. And it is such a sobering statement too. You know, we, we march around thinking, oh, we've got to get this done, we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. And then Jesus is like, does it actually add a day to your life? Does worrying about these things add a day to your life? Does stressing about these things add a day to your life? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Today's troubles is enough for today. He speaks of the lack of concern that we should have regarding everyday necessities such as food, and such as water. And for all of us, those things are actually attained through our finances. Those things are actually attained through 
the work that we do and, and, and the reward that we get, which is the money, and then we can go and buy those things. Then we can go and, you know, get the food that we need from the shops and get the clothes that we, that we need because clothes wear out. So all of these things come from money. You see, we, we live in Australia in 2023, and the most common thing that we stress about is how am I going to pay the next bill? Where am I going to get food for the table? Where am I going to get clothes for the children? Where am I going to get all these things that we need? How are we going to keep the power on in our house? Now, I know that majority of us in this room as well is fortunate enough to not have to be super concerned regarding those specific things. But yeah, money is still a problem for us sometimes. There are still concerns that we have regarding money. It's just the truth. The verse just before the passage I just read in Matthew 6 is verse 24. And listen to what this says. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, this morning is not about money. That's not what I'm preaching about. That's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about your heart. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm talking about your position. Where is your faith? What is your focus on? Who are you relying on? Those are questions that I want to ask you, and I want you to really think about those things. Where is your faith? You see, Jesus was speaking to the first century people here, going, don't worry about food tomorrow. Don't worry about your clothes tomorrow. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? The remedy. If stress and worry is such a common behavior, such a habit for humans, what then is the remedy? How do we combat stress and worry? Now, I'm not, what I'm going to be speaking on next isn't how do we combat chronic depression? How do we combat crippling anxiety? How do we combat all those other mental illnesses and mental diseases? What I want to talk about is how do we prevent these diseases and these illnesses? How do we prevent going down that slippery slope? How do we prevent going down that spiral? What is the remedy to stress? What is the remedy to worrying? Paul gives us the remedy in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. There it is again. It's not just Jesus that says it. Paul says it too. Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him. Everyone say thank Him. Thank Him for all He has done. Other translations say with thanksgiving or with gratitude, ask God what you need. The remedy to worry and stress is telling God what you need coupled with, connected to thanksgiving, connected to gratitude. Connected to praising God. That's the remedy. 
It's gratitude. It's thankfulness. That's what I want to focus on a little bit more this morning. I know that I, I got into that icky stuff, and it isn't nice, but I really felt compelled to really bring it to you strongly this morning, not to shy away from it, but it is, it's a real thing that we as humans go through. But I want to focus on the remedy. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Just like there are many disadvantages to worry and stress and the ultimate despair that we can end up in if we are consumed by the worry and stress, there are also some amazing benefits of being grateful, to being thankful, to having gratitude. There are some, I read some incredible things about gratitude. There's an author and an influential Christian leader called John Gordon, and he's, he quotes that, well, a quote of his is, it's impossible to be stressed and grateful at the same time. It's impossible to be stressed and grateful at the same time. You cannot physically be stressed out of your brain and grateful at the same time. Those two parts of the brain work differently. It's not the same part. It's, it takes you from a place to another place. Stress triggers a fight or flight response in your nerve system. Your heart beats faster, muscles contract, and adrenaline pumps. But gratitude can help calm the nerve system. It's the opposite effect. Gratitude is the opposite effect of stress. Taking a moment to be thankful causes psychological changes in your body that initiate, and that's a difficult word. It's a specific nervous system. I can't say that word. I try to practice it. Rosie laughed at me a couple of times. It's a tough word. All right, I'll give it a go. Parasympathetic. Yeah. Thank you. I'm done. It's no. Parasympathetic nervous system. The part of your nervous system that helps you rest and digest. Gratitude and the response it causes help bring down your blood pressure, your heart rate, and breathing to help with overall relaxation. It is the exact opposite of what stress does. Stress brings up your blood pressure. Stress makes you breathe faster. Stress does so many horrible things to you, but gratitude brings down the blood pressure. Gratitude slows down your breathing. Gratitude does incredible things to our bodies. It helps with overall relaxation. Of course, God knew this, though. He made us. That's why he led Paul to write, instead of stressing about things, be grateful for what you have. Two physicians, no, two psychologists from the University of California and the University of Miami have done much of the research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things they were grateful about well, things they were grateful for and had occurred during the week. A second group wrote about daily irritations or things that had displeased them. And the third group wrote about anything that affected them with no emphasis on them being positive or negative. And I want to say that these people were actually people that had real issues. They had real concern regarding their own mental health and they actually sought professional help 
regarding their own mental health and mental struggles that they were going through. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to the physicians than those who focused on sources of uh, aggravation. 10 weeks. 10 weeks it took them to feel much better about their overall lives. They went from being depressed people that had a serious illness that they were really struggling with, coupled with seeing professional help and writing gratitude letters, just writing out what they're grateful for, changed their lives so dramatically in just 10 weeks. In positive psychology research, Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. I know it sounds obvious, and when I read that, I was like, yeah, duh. Of course it does. But if you really think about it, gratitude is directly related to being happier in life. I mean, every day, I'm sure, the word thank you comes out of your mouth in one way, shape, or form. But could you imagine if it was so what's the word, direct, or so meaningful, or so out of the heart, that it actually just makes you a happier person. Now, I, I, know, I know most of you in this room, and you, you generally are a happy, happy church, but we can be even happier. I know that's scary for Kerry, but a lot of us can be happier. Kerry's like at the max, like, if I'm more happy... But we can be happier. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions. It helps people relish good experiences. It improves their health, dealing with adversity, and builds stronger relationships. I could stop right there. I'm not going to. But I could stop right there and go, you know what? That's fantastic. Those benefits alone are good enough for us to wrap it up. Let's just be a grateful church. Let's be a church that's better with adversity. Let's be a church that is just healthier. Let's be a church that is just more thankful for things and, and, and have a better life and be happier. But there's more. There's more that we can learn from being grateful. And yes, that's the type of person I want to be. I want to be someone that's healthier. I want to be someone that is happier. I want to be someone that just has a better outlook in life. I want to be someone that is equipped to deal with adversity. And that's what gratitude can do. God is so smart. He's so, so smart when he put us all together. And men, I do want to say this to you men. If you want to have a stronger relationship, be grateful. Thank her for who she is. Thank her for what she does for you, for how she makes you feel when she smiles at you. Thank her for these things. Thank you, Rose. I'm very grateful for you. I tried, I dare you. Do it. Just thank your significant other both ways. It works both ways because what gratitude does, it actually releases a specific hormone in our brains that bring us closer together. When we are grateful to each other, it brings us closer together. And it doesn't just work on a, on a marriage sense or an intimate sense. It works for friendships too. 
and further than that, it just works in the community, business partners, whatever. People are going to be more drawn to you if you are a grateful person, if you acknowledge what they do for you, if you say, hey, I appreciate you. There's something in the American culture that I've noticed that they are so quick to say, I appreciate you. And I just think it's such a beautiful, it's something that I've actually uh, taken on in my own vocabulary as well, is I appreciate you. I thank you for what you've done. I'm grateful for what you did, just did for me. And it changes, I actually, short testimony, it actually changed the way someone views their life. I, I've got a, a friend of mine that said that he was going through a lot of difficult times. And he says, just being with me, it's a bit, bit of tooting my own horn here, but just being with me made him feel better. And he said, it's because you appreciate me. It's because you, you, you're, you're kind and you, you're actually grateful for the things I do. So it actually unlocks something in people. It unlocks something in people. Be great, being grateful, having gratitude, appreciating someone unlocks someone else. It's not just for us. And I think that's, you know, if, you're, if you've been Christian for about three or four minutes, you know that God put us on earth for other people, not just for ourselves. It unlocks other people. Being grateful. There is science to back up what I'm saying. There is science to back up to why it'll be successful for you in creating stronger relationships. As I was doing this research, I found so many articles and studies declaring the massive benefits mentally and physically that there are if you participate in, gradu- in gratitude. The ability that it has to rewrite how your brain functions. It takes you from automatically thinking that things can go horribly wrong. You, you, see, a, you see a situation... And if you are uh, not a person that is super grateful all the time, you will actually see a situation in a negative light. You will actually see the situation for what it could be in the most horrible sense, and your brain automatically does that. But what gratitude does, it actually rewires your brain to see your situation from, oh my gosh, this can be incredible. What What the situation can be at its best that's what gratitude actually does in, a, in your brain, in a neurological sense. It's, it's just incredible what gratitude does. I'm not making this stuff up. Please look it up. Like literally do your research. Have a look what gratitude can do for your brain. It is so, so, so incredible. In God's Word, there are so many times that we are encouraged and taught to be grateful it's as if God knew the scientific benefits. It's incredible. I just, God blows my mind. <laughs> Listen to some of these scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm, Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That is a morning prayer. That is a get up. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be grateful. I will be glad. I will say thank you. 
Psalm 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18. Verse 16, always be joyful. Verse 17, never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It isn't just a suggestion. It's God's will for our lives. God wills us to be grateful people. The posture of gratitude and thanksgiving is in abundance within scriptures. And I believe part of the reason is because God actually does know how good gratitude is for us as humans. God does know the science behind it. I know, crazy. God knows what it can do for us as human beings. God knows the benefits that gratitude has for us. God knows these things. God knew this. God knows how important it is for our health and well-being. It can literally transform us. It can change the way our brain operates. That is a transformation. It can take you from being a glass half empty type of person to a glass half full. Or better yet, a glass is brimming over kind of person. So many opportunities. So many points that, oh, my, that is so good. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Where other people that just stress about things or are consistent worrying about things can go, well, no, I actually don't want to look oh. I don't want to preach. Look how close it is to the ledge. It's crazy. What if I fall down? No, look how incredible it is, the opportunity to be able to pe preach God's word and be able to declare the goodness of God in people's lives and how it benefits us as human beings. There are so many things that gratitude can do for us. It can transform us. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We can go from copying the behaviors of this world, being part of that 70% or being part of that 44% that struggle with chronic mental illness or mental diseases. We could. We could fall in line. We could be part of this world in that way. Or we can allow God to transform us to renew our minds by thanking Him, by being grateful, by having gratitude. So then, what is there to be grateful for? Oh, I'm glad you asked the question. Well, there are many reasons. I'll give you a few. The second part of the reason why you shouldn't worry is because of who God is. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says that we cannot serve two masters. But if God is our master, Jesus says we don't have to worry about the things that this world worries about. The things that fill the minds of unbelievers. We don't have to worry about those things. We don't have to be consumed by those things. Because of the master that we serve. Because of who God is. 
We don't have to be worried about these things. Instead, the promise that Jesus gives us is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. As we seek God, as we put him first and live according to his wills and his ways, pursuing a righteous life, he will give us everything we need. The Bible doesn't lie. This isn't just a lie. This isn't a suggestion. This is a promise. This is something we can hang our hat on. This is something that we can declare. This is something that we can work towards and walk towards. This is a promise that Jesus is giving us. Everything we need. On top of this promise, let me give you a few more reasons why you can be grateful. Why you can praise God. Why we can thank Him. Psalm 139, verse 5 to 18. You go before me and you follow me. You, bl- you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, or if I dwell in the furthest oceans... Even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and knitted me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still there. David knew who God was. David knew what he had to be grateful for. And I I, I read this because I want to encourage you, remind you. If you struggle to think what you can be grateful for, why don't you read Psalm 139? A beautiful psalm of David that details to us just how much God cares about us and the care he took to make us. That is something to be grateful for. Psalm 103 sums up what we have to be grateful for so well. Psalm 103, verse 1, I'm going to read a fair bit of it. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With all my heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He has done for me. He forgives my sins and He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with the love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, 
and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He does not punish us for all our sins. No, instead he took our sins on himself and he pinned it to the cross. And now our sins do not have power over us if we choose to accept his forgiveness. That's good enough to be grateful for. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He's a perfect father. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we have never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to His covenant, of those who obey His commandments. The Lord has made the heavens in His, his throne. For there, from there He rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out His plans, listening for each of His commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve Him and do His will. Praise the Lord, everything He has created, everything in all His kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That is not just, hey, here's a good idea. That is a lifestyle that we need to take hold of. And in fact, it is the perfect will of God that we walk in this kind of lifestyle. If we take this habit on instead of the habits of this world that lead us to more stress and more worry and more concern and more anxiety. But we can take on this posture and be grateful and have gratitude and be thankful for everything that he's done. I can't say it better than what David just said it. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much that we can praise God for. So much. I want to invite the band up. And, and as well, we've prepared some uh, little cards and some pens because I actually want us to take a few moments now, just as the band plays quietly behind me, that we actually write down 15 things. And if you, you think, oh, 15, oh gosh, start easy. Thank you that I live in Australia. Thank you that I've got breath in my lungs. There's two already. So we're going to hand out these cards and these pens. If you don't want to write on a card, I do encourage you to write on a card though because then you can put it on your fridge or stick it to your mirror and it can be a reminder for you every day. These are 15 things that I can be grateful for. So we're going to hand out the cards now and the pens. And just as the band plays quietly, why don't you write down 15 things that you can be grateful for? A little bit of... Uh, classwork to do so just go ahead and and do that just hand it down the row and, and hand out a pen
Some of you may have small handwriting, so you fit 15 on the card. Some of you have a double-sided card now, so each week you can just flip it over and go, oh, and more things I can be grateful for. If you didn't get to 15, um, take some time afterwards uh, when you get home to actually finish those 15 because, I mean, yeah, we can talk for two more hours about how great, great it is to be grateful, how beneficial it is for us to be grateful. And you can have a whole year teaching of why we can be grateful toward God and for what He has done for us. But I want us to, as the band leads us in worship, I actually want us to, um, and I am sorry that it is over time. Um, And if you do need to go, uh, please go. But I do want to finish this off properly the way that I believe God wants us to do it. Uh, And that is to pray for each other, just in groups of two or three. Um, If you want to pray with your spouse, do that. If you see someone standing alone, please welcome them to stand with you. And just pray for each other. Because I do know that there are real stresses that we go through. There are real things that we face in this life that we need to pray for. But do not end your prayer without a thanksgiving. And do not end your prayer without declaring the victory over your life that God promises us. That we do not have to worry about these things. Instead, we pray for these things with thanksgiving. And all these things will be added unto us as we seek to live our lives according to His will and His ways. So let us not copy the behavior of this world where we worry and stress, where worry and stress is in abundance. Instead, let us allow God to change the way we think so we can transform, we can be transformed into the people that God created us to be, living our lives in His will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let's let's pray for each other as 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 the band worships.